All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Robinbart. Now, I've got a great guest lined up for today, uh, a great podcast lined up for you today. But before we get into all of that, I want to kind of give you the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here so to speak. And we're here to work out all of our hardships, our trials, our tribulations in such a way that we can begin to uncover God's plan for our lives. Now, you may be listening and thinking, okay, but why me? Why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, guys, it's not if these things are going to happen. It's when hardships are going to come. And you need to know that, that sometimes these hardships can, can accumulate. They can begin to accumulate in our lives so much so that they can even change the trajectory of our lives. So it's so important that we know we are not alone when we're stacked up against challenges, when we come from hardships, all of this type of stuff. We need to know that there are people out there that have overcame hardships, overcome challenges, and actually helped to lay the groundwork for us to find, um, to go from hardships to freedom. And so with that, I want to introduce to you a great guest, Miss Mallory Rothstein. Please say hello, Miss Mallory. Hello to everyone listening. All right. Well, we are so excited. And just so you guys know, Mallory is from the Bay Area in California. All right. So, so excited to have Callie in the house. And this is going to be a great episode. Mallory, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, first and foremost, I consider myself a child of God yes. who lives my life really trying to fulfill God's purposes for me. And I say purposes because I think a lot of times people think you have one purpose, but I really believe that you can have many different ones in you know different parts of your life, different seasons. And so one of my biggest purposes is through founding something called Learn What Matters, which is all about helping high schoolers understand how to invest in their personal development through coaching, building strong alumni programs, and uh, providing scholarships for those that are in high school to invest in their personal development. And so that's one of my purposes in life. Like you said, I'm based in the Bay Area, but I am actually a New Jersey native, so I'm really an East Coaster. Um, okay. And something random about me, because I tend to not like to share just titles, I like to share some random facts, is that uh, I'm a big basketball fan. All right. So I love the Warriors, which everyone's like, how are you a Warriors fan, even though you grew up in New Jersey? Which is weird because I was a Warriors fan before I moved to the Bay Area, even though they're not in the playoffs this year. Um, I just love basketball since I was uh, since I was in high school and younger. So, so are you a fan of the, of the new uh, season, the short season they're doing this year or no? I am because I think that the NBA playoffs have been amazing so far. Like I've been watching every game and I think um, like last night, the night before, I mean, I think that they are doing as good of a job as they can to make it very entertaining. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. And I I agree with you. I would rather have some ball than no ball. Right. I mean, the, the pandemic that we're in, man, it is just crazy. I am so ready to move past all of this. Yes. Now, with you saying that that uh, what you're doing in the schools and all of this, is this just local 
to the Bay Area or, or are you um, outside of there as well? No, this is this my I mean, my vision is to really take this global. Um, I've had actually a lot of interest in different parts of the world. And I've said to a lot of people, I wanted to start with the U.S. first and just kind of where I am in the Bay Area and New Jersey, since obviously yeah. I'm from there. But I mean, I'm open to to anywhere. The content is really for I think it's so applicable for for anyone um, and for any student that there is. And it really is trying to what I'm trying to provide is very holistic, very again personal development, self awareness. Everyone can do that. There's no place in the world where self awareness, personal development is not important. Right. The vehicle that maybe which you do those might be a little bit different based on your living situation, your family situation. But that's with anything. So um, no, nah, this just, I really want to create a global movement where every single student knows the terms self awareness and personal development and has a plan. So that I say when you graduate high school, you feel as though that when you are, you know, legally an adult, you really feel like you're prepared to go into the real world. And as you were saying, like, it's when obstacles, it's, if, uh, it's not if, it's when obstacles yeah. are going to come into your life and that you have that at least a baseline plan of how to attack them and get and get through them. So Mallory, I, I, I do um, a lot of a lot of speaking in schools as well, being youth pastor, plus very involved in multiple schools around here that are kind of uh, even in, in different states as well down here in the southeast. But now um, here's here's one thing I've noticed. All right. School is great and all. And we learn all of this stuff. But what you're talking about with self-awareness and with development that schools are just not teaching these type of life skills and stuff like that. So you actually are creating a curriculum, correct? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm forming something that necessarily is going to be like, I, I was just talking to someone yesterday. I'm, I'm not, the long-term goal is, you know, shifting curriculum and policy. And I actually wish that you know, indirectly that happens, but I'm not, that's not necessarily my main goal at first is to uh -huh. try to override the school district. I actually really want it to be more of the students that hear my messages, get my coaching, get my online programs, read my book at some point, and that they, they are the ones that are saying to the schools, hey, this is so awesome. This should be implemented. And hopefully everyone in the space, you know, what you're doing. And I was speaking to someone else who's real yesterday, who's involved with youth development and all of us kind of banding together and really not having it just be, you know, just me trying to do anything, but really having it be a movement of everyone trying to make the school system better um, at the end of the day. Because we all have the same goal. We all want young people to be prepared, to be equipped for the job market, life, family, and it's just making sure that they get everything that they need. So how are you finding the pandemic falling into uh, all of this? Is that is that hindering right now? Is that kind of holding you back? Is there, uh, what's, what's your feeling on what's going on? Uh, to be honest, for me, um, I haven't felt, luckily, anything in terms of learn what matters or myself as a coach or anything that w that affected but i think that's also cuz i have a very like hustler mentality and i really believe like like there's a reason some people get mad that i believe in like everything happens for a reason but like there's a reason why god had this happen in the world at this time Wonderful. and at first you know 
I was like, oh shoot. And, and I'm not saying my life is perfect. That's not at all what I'm saying. You know, we just had the wildfires in California and that totally took me for a loop for, I was pretty much out of sync for like 10 days trying to figure out living arrangements. So I want people to know that when I say all this stuff, like it's not me not going through things, it's me just shifting my mindset. So when the pandemic first started, I was like, oh man, you know, I had all these plans. I was going to do different speaking engagements, but then I shifted it to be like, okay, now I can do virtual events that might be able to speak to people in different parts of the world that might not have been able to listen to me speak in person. And I've really connected with so many people on social media um, or, you know, through different virtual events that I probably would have never had time to speak to um, them had the pandemic not happened. So I actually feel as though for me, I've tried to, you know, I told you about this a little bit earlier, like trying to take any kind of pain or panic and really turn it into purpose and peace in my life. And, um, and again, I think that the way that I've seen it be affected is is what the students are going through. So a lot of students are not knowing how to do distant learning. They are not used to not being able to see their friends in the same capacity. And so trying to help them navigate those waters for the first time, I think that's how really me as a, as a coach and as someone that works with young people, that's where it's really been affected is, is making my concept better. It just... Um, being able to connect with them in different ways, not being able to see certain people in person. Um, that's how, that's how I've seen it. So, so you're saying basically what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn for good. And, and you're really seeing kind of a, uh, almost an uptick in the amount of people that you're able to reach versus and, and talk to versus, um, if you had just folded or just laid down, uh, during the beginning of the pandemic, um, than you would have. And, and, and so that's so huge for us to understand that, that no matter what, uh, we need to keep moving. I love the hustler mentality that you're talking about, the hustler mindset that you're talking about. And it's something that can only, uh, some people, they argue, okay, you're born with it. It's something you can learn. It's something you can't learn. All of these things. Tell me what is personal development to you? What does, what do those two words, personal development, what does that mean to you, Mallory? To me, it means that you are, well, I always say personal development really starts with self-awareness um, because you can't come up with a real personal development plan if you don't really know where you're starting from. And so to me, personal development is about investing in yourself outside of career. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they think of development, they think of what am I going to do to make money? And yes, that's my, that might be part of it, but more of like, what are you doing for your soul? What are you doing for your mindset? What are you doing for your health? And really coming up with a plan to become better at the end of the day. And that's why, like I said, it, everything with personal development starts at self-awareness um, and you really diving deep in knowing yourself. Um, and so when I talk about software and so, uh, personal development, that's kind of where, where I, how I see it. So, so why teens, Mallory, why teenagers? Where, what, how did your heart, um, kind of shift into that direction? Yes. Yeah, so my story really starts back in middle school and I had this 
core friend group and just a lot of middle school drama that led to me basically losing most of my friends. Uh, A couple of really bad rumors started about me that weren't true and I just started getting bullied and I went into a really dark space. Um, And I was very suicidal. I was, I was dealing with depression, anxiety, and it was really three years before I started like having my kind of awakening moments. And it was because I started watching a ton of Oprah. Like I've always been an Oprah fan, but I used to watch her show religiously. And through there, I learned about The Secret. I learned, you know, she used to have guests like Susie Orman, Dr. Oz. And I started just learning all of these things that, again, like you're saying, were not taught in school. And were really helping me um, understand who I was, where did I want to become. I started uh, making vision boards. And I realized, so that's like the first part of the journey. And then the second half is when I moved. So four years ago, I moved from New York to California. I had hit kind of a rock bottom moment in New York City, I was in a really bad relationship. I was in a job that was just really stressful and kind of crazy. And when I came to California, I was like, I'm not going to, for the first time in my life, I'm only going to have one job and I'm only going to like focus on just having fun and not, and actually like not having the hustler mentality. And then of course, like seven months later, something happened in my life where I had to let someone go. Like I had to cut off relationship with them. And I thought so much of my purpose was in that person. And that when that person obviously left and I cut them off, it was like, Oh, okay. What is, what is my purpose now? Like, what does God have for me? Like, I thought that was my only one thing, which is why now I tell people like, don't think that you only have one purpose in life. And I asked myself, what makes me happy? That was like my thing. I remember I sat in a conference room. I put all my electronics away and just took out a pen and paper and started writing all these things down. And then what happened was I kept on asking myself, man, I wonder if high school students know how to do this. Like when you hit a rock bottom or you hit a obstacle, do they know how to work their way out of there? And I... I don't know what happened to me in that moment. I was just like, I need to help high school students. And I came up with um, Learn What Matters. And so I just felt like my story of at the end of middle school, early high school, going through so much and then having that kind of aha moment. I just like love the high school age. Um, I Every time I speak to someone, they're like, why don't you start with middle school? Why don't you start with elementary school students? And I always say, well, at, at this point, why don't we just teach from the womb? Like, why don't we just do like going down, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just have such a, like, I just love the high school age um, and teens so much. So that's kind of where my backstory comes from. So that's, that's me as well. My heart and my passion um, is, is really teenagers. Um, and, and I feel like they're at, you know, middle school and high school, they're both kind of at their most influential age they'll ever be at. Uh, and, and so it's so huge for, uh, I, I think, for us to kind of um, uh, almost position ourselves to be, to be leaders for them and be able to use uh, our hardships, our obstacles, things that we've come up against in life to show them that, hey, I may not have been exactly where you are, but I've been in your shoes. Having the, the, the testimony and the story about the bullying 
and all of that. That is so huge to be able to have face, to have street cred when you enter the school, because there are so many people who are facing issues just like that. Now, I want to I want to kind of take you back um, into that depression, into that anxiety. You said it kind of it kind of lasted over a span of of three years. So um, you said that was that was kind of due to um, losing a bunch of, of of friends, and then the bullying started. Uh, what was the feeling like during that three years? What what were the emotions you felt during the bullying while it was occurring, afterwards, and and all of that? I'm I'm kind of going somewhere with this. Yeah. So I also want to just caveat in the saying, like like you know, because of being bullied then I don't want to say like everything after three years was perfect. I mean, I still struggle um, with different things with mental health that really stemmed from, from being bullied as a young, as a young kid. And that's why I'm so passionate about trying to go back and, and lessen bullying and, and trying to show the effects of it because it can be long-term. But during that time, I would say I got made fun of a lot for my appearance. Um, it's funny. I feel as though that's always been, even like today's age, it's very surprising to me how even adults sometimes will bully people on their, on their appearance. But I, I had a lot of bullying on my appearance. I had a lot of, um, I never got like, you know, punched or hit or anything, but it was a lot of psychological stuff. Um, and for me, especially being young and, you know, you think of your appearance, I'm just going to take that aspect of it, aspect of it first. You can't always change that. And I've gotten to a point where actually the last year, which is crazy because like, you know, it took me to get to 26 to 27 to really shift my mindset on this is I tell people now, if you make fun and I'm really big with no one makes fun of someone's appearance with me, like that's like a no go. I will really call people out. And I've said, you're not making fun of me. You're actually making fun of God because God created me and I didn't create myself. I didn't create how I look, but you're, you're actually making fun of how God designed me. And, um, once I had that mindset shift, mindset shift, I wish I had it when I was young. Um, it was a huge, like it was a huge game changer. But so anyway, going back to how I felt, I felt like very like hopeless, like, um, I felt like very hopeless, very much like, man, are people going to like me? And it was a really big ricochet effect. Like, I don't think that the people who bullied me really realized how much it ricocheted other people to think it was okay in certain spaces to do and say the same thing. Um, but yes, I just felt very alone, very hopeless, very much like, you know, how do I change my appearance, even though I really didn't want to. Um, and so those are the, some of the things. I felt. So Mallory, the reason I asked that was um, I just kind of wanted to get some parents inside the mind of the way their child may be thinking, because I know personally that I do have people who listen to this podcast. I know them personally who have children who have dealt with or are dealing with um, stuff like bullying and stuff like that. Now, the main listeners that that is is listening and tuning in here typically are the parents. They're not, uh, there are some teens that, that listen to this, but how would you advise a parent raising 
um, a child who may be going through this? What needs did you have at that time? How would you advise a parent that's going through uh, raising a child who may be going through something like that? Yeah. Um, it's interesting you asked that because I feel so now I'm going to have to send this to my parents because a huge thing when my parents, I had a lot of resentment for, to my parents that I don't think they knew. I never told them outwardly. And it wasn't until I really moved to California that I addressed this like resentment I had towards them. Cause I didn't feel as though my parents handled it the right way. But what I realized growing up is like, every, you know, everyone's doing the best they can. I don't think my parents really knew. I think they were trying to deal with it. They, they didn't know what to do. And I was not, you know, opening up to them to say, this is exactly what was happening. Um, what I would say is that letting your child know that you love them, that you are here for them, that you don't have all the necessarily the answers, but you're willing to take the actions that they want. I think a big thing is, is really trying to just let your child know that, like I said, you love them, you're there for them and you are willing to do, you know, whatever it takes to, to make the bullying stop, to give them the resources to heal from this. Um, I, I didn't, it was a different, you know, period in time where therapy was not a, um, you know, I'd speak to kids these days and it's, I'm always amazed by how a lot of students are okay saying I go to therapy. Like they're very open about it. At least the kids that I have spoken to Where back in the day when I was there, it was like, you were crazy if you went to therapy and I had wished that, um, I wish now looking back, I went to therapy. I would say um, you might want to speak to your your child about what therapy really is and mm-hmm. why it's a good resource, not just forcing it upon them. Um, and I think I think in general, a lot of kids don't want to feel forced or feel like their parents think that they know absolutely everything, but yeah. that they're that they're there and that they're willing to just show them certain resources and give them. Um, the other thing that I wish I had was. Um, certain people that were successful that went through bullying and seeing how they were going to be able to turn their bullying into something positive, which is again, what my, a huge reason why I speak about bullying. I speak about mental health struggles. I want young people to know, yes, I went through these things and I turned them into like the greatest blessings in my life. Do I wish I got bullied? Absolutely not. Do I ever want anyone else to go through it or myself to go through it again? No, but it is a like you can turn it into something good if you allow yourself to and you allow your yourself to heal and you you invest in that. So just having parents that encourage those things, give them the opportunities to have resources available and just know that they love them. That that would be my advice. That's that's so good. That's so good. And and because a lot of times it's so hard to it's so hard to know how to deal with that on top mm-hmm. of parents that that may be having multiple jobs that may have a lot going on, a lot to do. It's so easy to like, to like think that's no big deal or it's it's so easy to think, Oh, they'll just get over it. Um, Mm -hmm. That this is stuff that, that stays with them for a lifetime. It could take years of counseling to overcome a lifetime of abuse. It could take, yes, uh, it could take, it could take your whole life to overcome it. I mean, there's no like, there's no like written answer, but I, I was just curious as to what your response was to that. And I think you handled that uh, perfectly and beautifully. Uh, find out what resources are out there and love your child and, 
and be there for them and, and encourage therapy. Now you talk about coaching. Give me the difference in coaching a teen and and having a teen in therapy. Wow. So it's again interesting you ask this because I kind of call myself like a pseudo therapist, even mm-hmm. though I'm not. And I'm not trained. I want to be very clear. Like I have a psychology undergrad degree, but I'm not like a licensed therapist or okay. psychologist. Um but I see therapy as really looking into someone's past on a very deep level, like um, very based on the past or, or the present of like what are heavy things that you're dealing with. The thing that I see with coaching is it can touch on that. I'm not spending an hour. That's not usually my purpose is to spend an hour and just speak about one thing that you might have an issue with. My thing is, where do you, where are you today? Where do you want to go? And what the mental blocks and the obstacles that might be preventing you from getting there might stem from things in the past. So um, I've spoken a lot to high school students about just coming to terms of where their life is today. So many teens, even myself, like I had wished that my parents were entrepreneurs. I was like, man, if my parents are entrepreneurs who made a billion dollars, I would have so many more things in my life. And I try to really help teens come to terms and come to peace. What, what, where were they born into? Who are the people that they're surrounded by? Um, and some people would say that that's kind of like therapy. And it, again, sort of is. Yeah. Um, but it's really focused on that future forward. Re- what goals do you have? Um, and really attacking attacking that. Where I think therapy, at least the therapy I've been through, is more on your past, resolving certain issues from your past. It's not always based on goals and where you want to be. Like, there's been some days I've spoken to my therapist about like one topic because I just really need to speak to someone about this one thing. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of see the difference. So, so who are you finding really is after um, you to coach these teenagers to get the material? Is it the student themselves or is it mainly parents or the school system that, that really wants the coaching with the teens? Or is, this, is this mainly troubled teens or is this all teens? Is this like, like how do you, I guess, um, yeah, yeah, how do you get started? How do you find your clientele? So for me, it's been kind of very random. Um, I'm relaunching my website. I'm doing a little bit more, um, more, I guess, like more branding um, at some point in the next couple of months because I tell a lot of people, most I find teen coaches focus on the parents, principals, like getting into schools and getting to work with teens that way. I've actually, for me, like it to be more led by students and I will connect with students on social media. I'll connect with students at certain events that I'm um, asked to speak at by different professionals, usually and honestly more of like corporate setting where um, or random nonprofits that have students that they'll ask me speak to. And I will say to them, if you like what I do and you feel as though that I might be a good coach speak to your parents and we can see what could happen through there. Um, But I I actually really want it to be more so students led. Now I've had a few parents come to me and ask to coach their um, students and, and that's great. And it's worked out and that's been fine. Um, 
But I really want, I always say to the parent, I really want to meet the student first and make sure that they, they see the value in this. Um, Cause it's, you know, just like therapy, it's not going to work if they're not open to it at all. Um, and it's not worth sometimes to invest certain money into it if, if we're just going to stare at each other. So I really try to, to make sure that the student is, even if they're struggling, that they're on board to a certain degree that they want to work with a coach. Yes. Um, and, and that's the ticket is making sure that they're on board. Cause I am uh, a certified master life coach as, as well. And, and I've dealt with, um, uh, different clientele and, and I've actually, um, done teenagers as, as I've coached teenagers as well. And, and here's the thing, um, I've literally had, uh, parents who, who, who wanted, you know, that for their kid and, and really, really wanted it, but their kid didn't want it. And we were almost doing exactly what you're saying it was kind of combative and it was almost staring at each other. And so we may not be a great fit for every student, but there are students out there who absolutely have a passion or at least have a desire to learn more. Yeah. And I think what's, what's um, I think what's useful is finding out what your student actually likes and who they look up to naturally. So for example, I always say, you know, my, my journey to faith is, is definitely one with a lot of bumps along the way until 2016. And, uh, someone I looked up to a lot through basketball was Steph Curry and Steph Curry is a Christian. And he, I didn't, I didn't like look up to Steph Curry and in the sense of like, Oh, he's a Christian because he doesn't say I'm a Christian. Then I play basketball. He's just like, I'm a basketball player. Who's also a Christian. And he does a lot of different initiatives for me. I feel like if, so for me, it was like really great seeing someone like on the basketball court that I watched also be a Christian, see how he leads his life. And then I was like, wow, that looks like, that's cool. That's awesome. Like you could be a Christian and you could still be a great person and blah, 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 blah. I think that what a lot of parents should, should think about doing is, oh, if my student really likes a certain singer or certain actor, actress, maybe look up their story and see like, oh, does this person work with a coach? Does this person have a therapist? Like see what their journey potentially has been and then like send them maybe a YouTube video of an interview that that person has done and be like, hey, I know, you know, you really like this athlete or you really like this celebrity and I watched an interview and I thought what they said was really interesting. Like there's, I think, very unique ways to try to just get the idea, the seed into their minds without being like, you definitely need a coach. Because that's, that's honestly actually what one of my parents did was they were like you need therapy and of course as soon as I heard you need or like shut down that it I was like oh now I'm definitely not doing therapy yeah Uh, yeah but I think if I saw other people who were really like that I again I I admired who were um, going through therapy I might have been open to it so just another option to think about that is that is really good, especially for um, parents who are, are feeling like they they just some parents are just desperate. They're like, yo, and I see this even in student ministry, like fix my kid, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so here's the thing, though. A lot of times, man, it's just like anything else. Um, 
uh, you can't expect a session or two to fix a lifetime of bad parenting either. And so, yes. uh, um, uh, so it, it's, it's kind of a, a give and take there. Like, like there are some things we all need to come into agreement on as a coach, as a family, as parents, as children. Mm-hmm. Now, it, when you're in the midst of, of, uh, of, of coaching a teenager, what is, what is your goal? Is it, are you helping them? Uh, is it, is it to overcome challenges or is your goal to find their passion? Um, or is your goal to, to kind of steer them towards the future or yes, yes. And yes. So I've taken an approach, um, in the last two years to kind of experiment with my coaching program. Um, and really ideally in the next year, I want to come up with more of like, this is exactly what I do, but I've gotten, I think so many different random clients at different random points in their life. And I've kind of tailored my coaching based on where they want to go. Um, the majority of what I do is trying to, again, make crystal clear on, can this student identify who they are? Like I, my, one of my first um, you know, assignments and exercises in almost any presentation that I do or coaching is, can you define yourself? Pretend that you're in a, in a dark room alone. You don't have your computer. You have no family or friends. You are alone in a dark room. Can you describe who you are that doesn't include grades and doesn't include a career? Mm. And um, because I'm trying to get students to be really crystal clear on who they are that has absolutely no influence on anything else kind of like in their life um, and outside of metrics. So I asked them like, do you love to dance? Like some students will say, I love to draw. Like I love to play basketball. I, again, will they say when you're asked who they are, will they say that they're a child of God or will they say, Oh, I get straight A's on my, on my test scores. Well, what is really getting straight A's really mean? And so I tried to get them first to be really, crystal clear on who they are, what is their foundation, look at who are your friends, who are your family, who are um, like your health, like trying to get really crystal clear on their, their foundation, and then coming up with goals on where do they really want to be, and does this really fit into who you are, what your foundation is, and really what you think is going to get you to like the greatest, most fulfilling, healthiest life one day. Because when sometimes you look at the core, when they look at their core self, it's like, I want to become a doctor because my friend said it would make me a lot of money, which is my story, which is when I was in middle middle school, high school, I wanted to be a doctor because my friend told me that um, you can make a lot of money and you don't have to see blood all the time because it was a radiologist specifically. And I was like, okay, like, Uh, that sounds great. And I had told myself, I want to be a doctor. And then when I failed my first chemistry test in college, I realized, wait, I actually like, don't really love learning science. I love anatomy and I love helping people. But I thought that that was the only option. So when, um, so really, again, just trying to get them down to their foundation, who they are and where they want to go and trying to help them come up with this like best personal development plan to make sure that when they turn 18 again, when they become, you know, technically an adult, they, um, they feel very confident to go into the real world, whether they decide to go to college or they don't. Um, and that they're going to one that they're going to live their best life basically. Um, so, so I, I love that. That's beautiful. When you look back 
at at your teen years coming up, when you look back at the depression, when you look up back at the anxiety, when you look at a lot of teenagers today, even the ones who are not in that situation, the ones who are doing uh, seemingly well, the ones who are, like you said, straight A's, the one who are doing, what are, what are barriers? What are obstacles that are standing between students uh, and their identity? What do you find out there is, is some of the, I guess, barriers that, that keep them from seeing their true identity? I think social media is a big thing. Um, I think it's no no surprise to anyone that I think social media and and just what is out there in the world that they're seeing on a daily basis. I think that's a big component of it. I think just their friends or the people that they're surrounded by at school also plays a role. And I think also just like their home life. Yeah. And that's why I also tell parents, you know, if you want your child to be great you have to be great too like you cannot be working a job that you absolutely hate that's making you miserable and that your your student is seeing that because that's what they think that their life is going to be one day if you're miserable they're going to feel that and so i i actually deal i went to a library and i gave a presentation and it was funny because this kid came because the librarian told him to come And at the end of the presentation, he's like, I'm so glad I came. He's like, but the only thing is I wish my parents were here. And I was like, oh, why? I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he's like, because I think they need this presentation as much as me. And like, I like that really, really struck with me. And so I tell a lot of parents, like I, I work with so many teens that actually say like, my parents need this or like my parents would never let me like meditate or like my parents are like, think that this is crazy. And so I think a lot of parents have to be really honest with themselves too. on like, what are you projecting to your teens? What are you projecting? And, 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 and kind of do it together. Like ask your teen, Hey, let, let's both do this together and see what they see, how they, um, respond. They might say like, no, but you never know. Like it's, it's very much like, you know, the practicing what you preach model. Um, and so I, I see that that's actually a, a big barrier, more surprising to me than I, I thought. Um, you know, yeah, so go ahead. Sorry. I would say social media friends and parents or like just family life I see as the biggest kind of barriers for them. I think you're spot on. I see, I see the same thing, but you said something that really, really resonated and, and set and set good with me. You, you said, uh, if you want your child to be great, you have to be great too. And I see this across the board. Um, you'll see, um, parents again, like I said, fix my child. You know, and, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And they'll want their kid to get uh, excited about school. They'll want their kid to get excited about sports, excited about life, get mm-hmm. plugged in at church, get all of these things that they are not doing. And yeah. they're not actively involved in the child's life or the student's life. And, 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 and all of this stuff. So it's so important. Like, I love this idea of learn what matters. I almost think there should be like a spinoff of teach what matters for like parenting, you know, because yes. uh, this is, you, you know, that's just, it's just a, a, a beautiful thing that, that you, that, that parents need to recognize that, Hey, I spend more hours 
with my child than any coach, any counselor, any, any, mm-hmm. any uh, church leader, anybody. And so it's got to start in the home. And of course, social media, man, that's a, yeah. I mean, that is a killer right now because that mm-hmm. is showing people uh, who I should be. Everything that glitters, I should be chasing that. And, yeah. and so when I don't have that, that's almost makes me less than, makes me uh, not good enough. And all of those different things, when I don't look like her, when I don't look like him, when I don't have all those likes, I can easily fall into, I'll never be. And so mm-hmm. I, I really love that. Now, now finding students, um, you know, who are really, really wanting to move forward. When you, when you really got invested in personal development and all of that, and you started kind of almost from pain to purpose, like, like using your pain to allow you to find your purpose. Um, how, how do you think one can go about uh, doing that? Like, what does that, what does that look like? Is there a generic formula for this or is it kind of um, all based on um, a, a, con- uh, 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 a concoction of, of all different kind of things? So I think um, you have to get really honest with yourself on what happened, how did this happen to you, whether it was your fault or not. Um, I don't want to make blame on anyone. Like, I don't think that I deserved what I went through with bullying, but I was very honest with myself on how I contributed somewhat to it. Um, And how as a result, what have I learned from this experience? Even if it is like I learned to be a kind person because you never know what people are going through. Like there's so many lessons that you could learn when you were going through something tough. And then I've always said to myself, this might not be again for everyone, but for me, I was like, how can I use this and make the world better as a result from it? And so so much of my stuff was, okay, I got bullied or I went through different trauma in my life. Here's how this happened. Here's, as a result, my life was affected on a very, like, um, very specific or just even like mentally, how did I, how did my mentality shift because of this? And then use those to create like different lessons I learned and just start sharing that with the world. And then a lot of times you'll find like you'll navigate at least that again through me and through listening to other people's stories, like, you'll kind of find your purpose through that. Um, I think that you'll find kind of that you're not alone in what you go through. And a lot of times people, um, there's different gaps that you can fill. I'm not saying you have to turn everything into like a business. That's yeah. not it. Like I think sometimes people think that like when I speak, I'm like, no, I'm not trying to say like, you know, get bullied and then turn it into a total business plan. Right, right, right. But because there's so many other things that I've been through in my life that I don't necessarily like put on social media or that I um, like have as a business, but I definitely speak to people about, um, I went through a really bad relationship and I feel as though I've given, I've helped more people as a result of that experience mm. than 
you know, that people probably even know about because I just use what I went through and what I learned to help other people hopefully get out sooner or find out when they're the best timing is for them. But that's, again, I don't make, make money off of that or anything. It's just finding ways to make yourself and make the world better. Um, so even just through using the bullying example, like I have, um, trying to think of one thing. Um, like I, like I said, I no longer allow people to make fun of people in my vicinity. Like that's a really big deal for me. And that I believe is making the world better. And that's one of my purposes in life is to make sure that everyone feels, you know, beautiful the way that they are and that people don't think it's okay to make comments on how people look. So, um, I think you just have to figure it out as to, again, that really specific and being really honest with yourself about the pre, like, um, pre what happened to you, what happened to you and what the aftermath was and finding a way to connect with others to make the world better as a result. Um, and just listen, and sorry, one more thing, just listen to other people's stories. Like I didn't come up with all this myself. Like I just listened to a ton of other people sharing how they turns their pain into purpose. Um, so what you're talking about is testimony. There is power yes. in testimony, Mallory. And, and so uh, it's like uh, the Apostle Paul. It's so, it's so crazy. Like he goes off on this tangent about uh, how I'm, I'm, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. He had all of the best teaching. He had all of this. He was uh, uh, um, just uh, the... the Jew amongst Jews, right? He was just the best of the best of the best, but yet he consider it next to nothing, uh, next to knowing Christ. And so, um, mm-hmm. but God could use his background. He found his background perfect for his calling. And when mm-hmm. we're talking about our purpose, when we're talking about our calling, so many people struggle with that. What is my calling? What is my mm-hmm. purpose? And I love uh, the way you look at it and the way I look at it is, is basically, um, your, your calling is where God has placed you for impact and you are mm-hmm. thankful through obedience. Everything that you have been through, everything that you have gone through, everything that you have done up to this point has prepared you, uh, for what lies ahead and to be able to reach into other people's mess and pick them up. You can reach people. I can't because of what you've gone through. I can reach people. You can't because of what I've gone through and, and, and the physical locations you're in Cali. I'm in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so there's all of these different things that lead up to this defining moment that allow you to take your hardships, your hurts, and your pain and purpose it. And that may be through um, podcasting. That may be through teaching. That may be something as simple as seeing a friend down on his luck and stepping into his mess and just helping them out. You know, yeah. and, and, and just helping them up. And it, and it may be um, serving in your local church. It may be some sort of uh, a, a marketable thing to help you uh, win at life while helping others win. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. I mean, uh, you, you know, but, but it's not, it's not something that, that we strive for is a, is an awful testimony. Of course not. But mm-hmm. those testimonies, there's so much power 
in those testimonies of how God has really worked and shaped and molded. And, and you don't have to have like, uh, I think, I don't know if you follow Stephen Furtick at all, yes. um, but, but one time he said, he said, you don't have to have a meth lab in your closet to have a testimony. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, just share what God is doing in your life, period. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And I think that a lot of people also get stuck on legacy and in terms of like, you know, making a lot of money or having a book or having something tangible that they can say that, again, they made their pain into something purposeful. But really, like at the end of the day, I tell everyone who you are should be your greatest accomplishment. Like who I am just as a core human being, I always say is my greatest accomplishment in life. And then your met- um, your legacy should never be able to be measured by sheer metrics. There are so many people that I have jumped on a phone call at one o'clock in the morning because they're going through something really terrible. And I've stayed on the phone with them for hours and have failed tests in college or have been late to work the next morning or have had to cancel a podcast. And for me, the metrics are never going to show that one phone call that could have completely changed someone's life. I've had people say that they were going to commit suicide and that because I spoke to them, they didn't. And again, the ricochet was something I had to cancel or something that I had to switch in my life. And so I really try to tell people, do not get caught up on metrics or don't get caught up on the things that maybe people can see on social media or that people can measure in a job, a um, performance review, because so much of, at least for me, my legacy, and I know a lot of other people's is not defined by those things. It's not things that you can just post online. I can't post about how you know, oh, I helped one friend today speaking to them for two hours and I'm not going to post that online. I'm not going to like put that on my resume, but right. I know it and God knows it. And that's, that's the other thing I have on my, on my shoulder, um, one of my shoulders, a tattoo that says in God's light. And yep. It's my message to the world. That's like, it doesn't matter what anyone, how anyone else sees you or anyone else knows your accomplishments. It's really about what God knows that you do in his light. And, um, and so, I totally forget why why I brought that up, but um, yeah, I just I just think that just the whole idea of turning pain into purpose and just not getting caught up into um, you know branding and, and metrics and all of that. Just do the right thing. Do small things every single day that makes you make yourself or the world or your family better. It doesn't need to be that you're making a global impact happen. Just making sure your family is good, your friends, yourself, like a lot of people can't even do that. So that's an accomplishment. Yeah. And, and I love, I love that you're, you know, it's, it's the small things that we do every single day Mm -hmm. that make us who we are tomorrow. And, and so um, focusing on those things, uh, before you can change the world, it starts with yourself. It starts yes. with your home. It starts with your street, maybe your school, and it starts with your community. And it and it branches out from there. And so many times, Mallory, we want to go. We want to go from one to ten, and mm-hmm. and we can't do that. But we can go from one to two, and two to three, and three to four, and and so on and so on. And I think that's so huge. Uh, uh, who we are is a great question, but I think an even greater question is who am I becoming? And so, uh, uh, and the only way 
um, to answer that question properly uh, is to really align our lives and, and to really align our will with God's will and move in every step uh, according to his purpose for our lives. Will we fall short? Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Will we will we make mistakes? Will we mess up? 100%, man. But at the end of the day, I know that I trust God uh, with the outcome and the plan of my, lives and, of my life. And you talked about um, something that can't be measured by metrics. It's like there's an old saying that says it's a sin for some people uh, not to make an A and it's a, some, it's a sin for some people to make an A. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so meaning that some people have to totally disregard all life as we know it just to try to mm-hmm. survive this test. And there's so much more important stuff. And, and I'm not saying not strive and do well. Of course we want to do well, but like you said, we have to be intentional with those that we are walking beside, with those that, that we are in community with. We have to be intentional with other people's lives. Yes, I, I totally and, agree. And, I totally and, agree. And and so so moving forward, I, I, I think that um, you know, we dropped some some sure enough like truth bombs here, parents. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, I really want to encourage you guys to, to really be intentional uh, in your in your teenager's life, because um, as a youth pastor, every single year I'm watching a group of seniors roll out um, for the last time. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're leaving youth ministry. They're leaving high school. They're, they're going into college. Some are entering the workforce. They're leaving mom and dad's house. Uh, for good. And so we only have our specific time allotted that we get to be an influence in their lives. And Mallory, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I want to thank you for your, your purpose, for your calling. Uh, any, any kind of, kind of last few words um, uh, before we leave out of here on, on pain into purpose, on uh, 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 leading well, any, anything of that nature. Yeah. I want to give, I actually just want to share two things that I hope that people listen and watch in the next week that might give you some encouragement, which is, um, a song that really, really saved me last summer when I went through, you know, another obstacle was the song sea of victory by elevation worship. Um, and then also watching uh, Crazy Faith Part 1 of Mike Todd's series from Transformation Church. Um, those two last summer, I went through something that really, really helped me. I, th- I hope that every student, you know, you also might want to share with your teen if they're going through something. Because um, I think those are two really good, um, a good song and a good, um, you know, sermon that I think that people will really, really love. Um, and, 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 and just which, thank you. Which sermon was that? It's called crazy faith. Oh God. So, yeah. so, so I am a huge Michael Todd fan. And so me too, uh, me too. I, I actually, um, I interviewed with them and like, I was, I was, I was, I was going to move to, uh, uh, up there to Oklahoma and all of that. If, if, but, uh, I knew it was a long shot. And so I absolutely, um, I love those guys. Yeah. I even, I actually got tattooed on my wrist, crazy faith after that series. 
series. Like that was that that was so powerful to me, which is why I tell people just at least like if you're gonna watch anything, start with the first one. Yes. Um, because it's a really powerful, I think, um, like episode of the of the longer series um and i guess i just also just thank you for what you're doing to bring you know your own um purpose into this world and to bring so much i think hope to people's lives that listen to your show um having a bunch of different people on to talk about their obstacles that they've overcome and i just thank you for the platform to be able to share part of of my journey and my story Absolutely, Mallory, and uh, I'm so excited about about this episode, and I hope that people want to reach out uh, and and learn more about your journey, learn more about your vision. Where can they find out more about you? You can find me on pretty much all all social media. Um, my handle is at I Learn with Mal. You can also email me at I Learn with Mal at gmail um, and really just feel free to, to connect with me. I mean, I'm always up for a conversation and I love, I just love connecting with people on like a really deep personal level. So, um, feel free to, uh, to reach out to me whenever. Absolutely. All right. We'll do. And we have thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you'll hang on for just a second, Mallory, as for our listeners, we will see you in the next couple of days. <laughs>